action. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of The Average Critics. Uh, I'm back from my holiday. Uh, it's been about a month since the three of us were all together, um, virtually over Skype. So we've got Obi and Chris. So how are you both? I'm lovely, then. How are you? Good. You are lovely, Obi. That is true. Um, yeah, I'm very, I'm good. I've got the holiday blues. Um, but, you know, it's all good. All good. Been catching up on films and stuff. What about you, Chris? Yeah, mate. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> a, man, a man of few words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Fair he enough. Joe this weekend, but he's not on the pod. Oh, really? Can we kick him out of the group chat yet? Or... Oh, shit. To be fair, he doesn't even contribute to the group chat either. No. Even Ollie contributes more. Ollie's <laughs> in fucking New Zealand but anyway uh, we digress we're here to talk about films and TV um, I don't think there's been much film news since I've been back from Mexico I don't know how much there was whilst I was away um, but it seems the only kind of news that I can think of is obviously Marvel related and that is that they're going to re-release Avengers Endgame uh, in cinemas with six extra minutes footage what do we think of that? Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's a bit, like, petty, because it's obviously in a bid to get it to be Avatar. However, I'm here for it, because fuck Avatar. But, man, it's mad yeah. that it's only 45 million off of beating Avatar, which got released twice. That's, yeah. that's crazy. I think yeah. Avatar did add quite a lot in its second run. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure it... And then they re-released Titanic as well, didn't they? Like, yeah. um, for its anniversary or something. But the thing is, like, you know, if, if Endgame re-released the film less than a week after it stopped being in cinemas, what's to stop Avatar just re-releasing the film before the sequels come out and then just overtaking it again? Like, it just becomes ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised that Marvel have done that, unless the footage that they're introducing is really key and that they couldn't well, I don't know. What footage do we expect them to introduce that they couldn't have put the first time around? So, this is what Kevin Feige said. He said, uh, so Kevin Feige himself revealed the new cut, explaining that the main form remains the same, with fresh footage arriving post-credits. The MCU boss said it's not an extended cut, but there will be a version going into theatres with a bit of marketing push, with a few new things at the end of the movie. Explaining, if you stay and watch the movie after credits, there'll be a deleted scene, little tribute, and a few surprises which will be next weekend. And game is known to be one of them. Okay. So what what sort of tribute and surprises do we expect then? Is it a tribute to Tony Stark? Is it a tribute to Stan Lee? Or... Probably something to Stan Lee. Stan Lee, yeah. Thought, yeah. And why wouldn't they have done that in the first one? Like the first time they released it? Maybe they had this, maybe they kept this in the bag in case they needed it. Maybe they were probably saving it for like the DVD extras. Then they thought, if we need to use this to, you know, boost it up a little bit put it in yeah so this film is still coming out before far from home isn't it yeah okay because i was wondering if maybe they would tease phase four but that wouldn't make sense if it's before far from home yeah um i mean i'm still gonna see it yeah i'm gonna see but i just hope it's worth it it probably won't be not for you anyway (laughs) True, very true. But it's always worth watching that last, the last hour of that film again. <laughs> Rendous piece of cinema. 
Fair play. Fair play. I was going to say, speaking of far from home, is anyone that like excited to see Spider-Man? Um, I actually am. Oh yeah. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. The trailer looks good. The trailer looks a lot better than I thought the trailer for the uh, Homecoming did. Like I was not that excited about that film, and I was a bit lukewarm on the film itself. But I think you know I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I think there's a certain ambiguity over Mysterio, um, whether he is a friend or a foe, um, in the grand scheme of things. And this whole multiverse, or so what do they call it? Um, yeah, it's multiverse. Multiverse, Um, whether that again is is true or if he's being deceptive so i think there's a, there's a mystery there um that i'm interested in sure. and yeah i like the fact that they seem to have learned from not necessarily mistakes but from you know the fact that mj already is like yeah i know you're spider-man you know it's just sort of like a tad more realistic i would guess you know yeah fair enough i don't know i'm like i'm not like super excited but I did quite enjoy the last, uh, the last one. And this one, yeah, I think I'm more. I think I'm not really that worried about the actual Spider-Man story. But I'm more, I'm more hoping that it kind of like leads us into whatever Phase Four is going to be. And that's kind of more what I'm watching it for. Yeah, I mean there are rumours that Norman Osborn's going to be either introduced or suggested, um, and that he, he could play a big part in like the Phase Four villainry. Um, which I guess would be interesting. And uh, what else was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, apparently there are two post-credit scenes in it. Which again, I would suggest one would probably, I would think one would probably be hinting towards the next phase, and then another would probably just be a jokey one. What does anyone remember what the post-credit scenes were in? Uh. Yeah, it was it was Tony Stark giving him the suit, wasn't it? And saying, like, you're an Avenger now. And then he said he didn't want it. Yeah. That was post-credits. I didn't think it was post yeah. I thought that was the very, very end. Fair enough. Oh, was it? No, it was, um, it was Vulture going into prison with, uh, with um, Scorpion and... Is that no. right? No, that was a... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, someone was in prison... And then I think the guy says to a vulture, like, who's Spider-Man or something, and he's, he doesn't say anything, because he knows the true identity, doesn't he? Yeah. Because yeah, I thought then I thought when you said that, you're getting it mixed up with Amazing Spider-Man 2, where you see all the suits and the Sinister Six. That's I did have that in my mind as well, so I think I'm conflating the two, aren't I? Um, yeah. So do you think we'll get any, like... So do you think that post-credits scene will relate to anything in this film? I think the post-credits... I would imagine so, yeah. Because I think Marvel haven't got too many films left where they've contracted to use Spider-Man. So whether they're going to renegotiate that or not, like, is, is sort of... If anything, I think Sony are probably in the better bargain position for that. Um, but uh, Kevin Feige did also suggest that Venom could cross over with Spider-Man in the MCU. Like Tom Hardy's Venom. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Then they put us over with Spider. Um, I don't really give a shit, being honest. Um, the thing is, if you do that kind of, you can't really. Uh, you do that kind of thing, you know that both of them are going to survive. 
which I don't mind, but it's a, it's a PG almost film, isn't it? So they're going to survive. But like, was it better than 15? Yeah. yeah, but like, sorry, I meant more. In no, terms I was, of, yeah. no, I was just being awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, or was it a 15? Was I, thought, 15 I thought we wanted it to be a 15, it was a 12. It was a 15, but it was a very, very soft 15. It's only, it's only so they can make it part of the thing, which I get, but. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you need a Venom villain. Like, we've seen it, it was okay. Let's just leave it. You know, it, could make it, it would make a nice moment, maybe. But yeah, um, I didn't quite said. Sorry. I didn't quite hear what you just said. Sorry. That's alright. Um, are you still recording? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. But I say yeah, it would make a nice moment, maybe. Like if if maybe like him, uh, Tom Hardy and uh, Tom Holland, made like past met each other in passing kind of thing, just like a nice little Easter egg. But I'm not really bothered about him being like a main a major character in the film. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think Sony need to develop their own Spider Verse. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I'm interested interested to see what Phase Four holds. Uh, mm. There's rumours that Marvel will announce it at Comic Con. Yeah, um, and then probably go into more detail at their own Disney have one, don't they? Like E3 or something. E3, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, interesting to see what happens with that. Um, I guess in a couple of weeks we can review the extra footage end game if yeah. it's worthwhile. Um, but I know that you guys spoke about some of these films last week, but I just want to give my opinion on uh, some of them. So I don't know if, you, if you're happy to repeat briefly what you thought because I haven't listened to that episode yet. Um, yeah. So Rocket Man, um, I think, is probably my favourite film this year so far. Really? I'm very surprised at that. Why? I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I shouldn't think it would be your uh, cup of tea, for being honest. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think A Star is Born has done something to me. <laughs> it's just made me, like, a bit of a soppy git, to be honest. Because, uh. yeah, I was watching it and I was just, like, really entertained. I thought Taron Egerton did a really good role of, like, yeah, he's uh, encapsulating Elton John. He doesn't look massively like him, but I guess that's you know neither here nor there because you know you know he's an actor portraying yeah. another character. Um, his voice, I'm presuming it was Taron Egerton's voice used for most of those recordings. Very good voice. I thought you know I didn't know much about Elton John's life, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, you know, good good kind of supporting cast from Richard Madden as his agent. Um, I thought the know? way that they. Oh, sorry, Glenn. I was going to okay. say. Um, did you know to the the guy who Rich Madden plays is also in a character in um, Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, played by Aidan Gillen. Yeah, who's Littlefinger as well. Anyway, must play a really good prick. Yeah. Well, actually, because um, Dexter Fletcher, who directed Rocket Man, also finished off uh, Bohemian Rhapsody while after Brian Singer was fired. Um, he was going to include Why is Rami Malek because uh, of his sexual assault allegations, I think. Uh, yeah. I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, but he was going to include Rami Malek as like a little cameo in Rocket Man because oh. Freddie Mercury and Elton John were contemporaries. Um, but I think that would have been a bit too on the nose. 
but yeah, I think the way they incorporated the songs, um, I don't think they were particularly chronological, but you know, the way that in the pub they had that Saturday is all right for uh, fighting that yeah. one, um, Rocket Man, like it was just, it was quite um, a bit more expressionistic than Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, yeah. they, they, there's a bit more magical realism, I guess. There's more of a class, um, classical musical one. Yeah, exactly. And I really, really liked that. Um, and, you know, I was sort of like, oh shit, Elton John sang that song, or, you know, um, he's got a good, a good few bangers. And I like the fact that it didn't shy away from his drug addiction, his yeah. sexual promiscuity, yeah. um, and they didn't shy away from showing the gay sex as well. Yeah. Um, which is something that Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of criticised for on all those levels. Um, um, I actually had one issue with like the um, homosexuality thing. It's only that um, so like when they basically like, reveal him as being gay, it's just him. They just show him kissing um, that singer guy, and then that's it. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, he's gay, and then that's it. I felt like the maybe there might have been a bit more like nuance to that whole thing because everyone's kind. You just come out, like, oh yeah, I'm gay, and everyone was like, okay, yeah, cool, that's it. I I think. Well, in terms of Elton John as a character, as in yeah, him like com- coming. Obviously, they had the bit where he came out to his mum, which was obviously pretty emotional. But like, I don't know. I just thought like that bit was kind of done really quickly. I thought. Yeah, I feel like there was suggestion that he was um, gay from when even when his that the little kid was yeah portraying Elton John. Yeah. Um, but again, maybe they're just doing it that way because it's like, well, why do we need to make a song and dance out of it? Because it's just a natural thing. Um, uh, I don't know. That's just, I guess, one reading of it. Um, yeah, no, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, good foot tapping, you know. And I don't know if, what did I see first? Because I saw it on a double bill with Aladdin. Yeah. And I think I saw Aladdin first, actually. Um, but I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would as well. Oh, wow. um, because everything about it sort of was building towards me hating it. It was Guy Ritchie, which, you know, the later part of his career has not been stellar um, with, you know, King Arthur and among other kind of failures. Uh, I hadn't seen the animated Aladdin, so I didn't know what it was about, but I sort of assumed it'd be a bit of a soppy kind of, you know, love story. And I was like, "Mm." but... After the first 10 minutes, which I thought were pretty terrible, um, it got a lot better. And uh, Will Smith's evidently having a lot of fun playing the genie. Yeah. Wait, um, did you say the f- first 10 minutes were rubbish? Yeah. You're like, shit. so, well, that's just my opinion. Like, when it starts with a lad, um, the Have genie's character. Film? What's that? Wow. No, yeah, don't worry, go and carry on. <laughs> but when he was, like, running through um, the streets, like, Bounce, like sort of free running Danny Ward style up you know the, the buildings it just it didn't feel exciting to me there wasn't it wasn't like there wasn't a frenetic pace to it I felt like the editing was just quite slow um yeah. and the, the camera and no go on I would say the beginning felt to me kind of like they cut some stuff out and they kind of just like yeah I kind of started in the in the beginning felt like that was ten minutes into the film. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So it kind of just like started. He's like running away from these people. So, oh, there's no like intro here, really. <laughs> but yeah. But that is that, that is how the cartoon starts. Up. The, no, wait. 
scrap that. The genie bit on the boat, that is not in the cartoon. That is like the whole genie's relationship with a human, that's not even that's not even in the film, in the cartoon, as far as I remember. I mean I haven't seen the thing in like fifteen years plus probably. But that, that doesn't exist in the cartoon. But the, the Aladdin doing that running through the streets is in the cartoons. They are just literally replicating it. They just didn't make it very visually exciting, to be honest. Um, oh, call that visually exciting? I don't know. You can make it. You know, that you could do lots of cutting, lots of interesting camera movements and angles and stuff. Um, I just thought, oh, God, if it's like this, it's just going to be a really boring film. I but then, like you, you know. I feel like you've got to remember this is a kid's film as well. Like, I don't think a kid's going to really give a damn about these like, angles. I know, but, you know, you know, if a kid's going to a film, then the parents are also going to be there. So you want to sort of hit both, you know, demographics. But um, after that, anyway, I thought it got a lot better after he comes out of the uh, the lion's den, I guess, the cave thing with the, with the bottle. Um, uh, sorry, the lamp. And, you know, and the genie comes. And, you know, Will Smith is, is a bit OTT, but, you know, it's fun. Um, I thought... Princess Jasmine's character was really good. I feel like they have probably enhanced it from the uh, animation because she was quite progressive as a princess, I think. You know, she wanted yeah. to be the sultan. I wasn't sure, but yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm not 100% sure, but because uh, I can't, again, 15 years since I watched it, I do believe she didn't... I believe in the cartoons. I feel like she didn't need a prince in the cartoon. I feel like she didn't okay. have that mentality. But also... That um that that song she sings um silence or something speechless yeah. something like that 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 was, that was the best song in the film uh banger yeah so yeah I was actually pleasantly surprised and maybe that conditioned me to like Rocket Man even more because I was you know pleasantly surprised about that film and so I had kind of I was in a good mood sort of thing but yeah um that, those are those are the two that I think you probably discussed the last time you were on. I just yeah. want to give my humble opinion on those. I, I do genuinely think that if if it is possible, you two should both watch the cartoon for the next episode. Like just 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 do a comparative because there's a lot of visuals in it which I think would have been amazing if had they put it pulled it off. But I feel uh, because it's okay. kids, they didn't do it. Like I was saying about there's a there's a scene with an hourglass and it's like Jasmine's like drowning in the sand, like suffocating. I was like, that would have been like quite a visually like good thing to see. But as a kid, probably don't want kids seeing that. Pretty quite. Yeah, I felt Jafar was a bit pantomimey. Um, the oh, actor. He doesn't. He does act quite like that though. In the again in the cartoon. Okay, fair enough. One I'm, I'm, you know. Sorry. Uh, I, I did wonder about Jafar. So he had that staff thing, right? Mm-hmm. That helped mind control. Yeah. So why didn't he use that to become a... Uh, Sultan. Yeah. Well, I think because he would have had to use it all the time on everybody. Because it's only... He has to direct it at the person, doesn't he? And, and then... It isn't right for where, so it'd have to have the approval of everyone else. Otherwise, he's going to get all that shit, isn't it? And I don't believe, again, that scene with the guard, where the guard has the two sides, don't think that's in the cartoon, as far as I remember. Again, I probably should watch rewatch the cartoon as well, because I'll see... I've got some bits and pieces, but yeah. I mean, it was better than Dumbo anyway. Oh, way better. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, can't, I can't believe that was actually turned into a live action film. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you guys also discuss Dark Phoenix? 
a little bit, but I wanted to wait for you to come. Okay. So, Chris, have you seen it? No, mate. Are you going to? Yeah, probably, but he's fought, it's fallen away. Okay, so let's talk about <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix, the final Fox X-Men film. Um, the fourth in the new new kind of era, even though it crosses over the old era. It's sort of a bit of a mindfuck. Um, but this is the reimagining of the Phoenix uh, storyline, which was shown in X-Men Last Stand, um, where Jean Grey becomes the phoenix which is a super powerful mutant um and it's not always used for the good um so what i had sort of forgotten is that in apocalypse the way that she defeats apocalypse is by phoenix becoming phoenix yeah <laughs> and then they completely disregard that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they're like so there's this whole kind of contrived set hey by, by now you should yeah. know X-Men films and continuity do not go together at all. They just I know, but the thing is, is the guy who wrote and directed this, I'm pretty sure either wrote or at least produced the Apocalypse film. So he's included this, you know, all you need to do is watch the last film. Yeah. It's just, not, but anyway, yeah, like you said, we've come to expect that from X-Men films. Um, so there's a bit of a contrived opening where, you know, the X-Men are now... Uh, accepted by the non-mutant population and sort of called upon by the president in perilous situations and the x-men have to go into space which they hadn't been before um and i was quite surprised about that actually i sort of not realized that um yeah i guess i just sort of think superheroes space you know um but then so they have to save astronauts and then gene gray gets kind of she absorbs a load of solar energy and then uh she can't control this new energy and it's making her remember past traumas that xavier tried to bury and that causes conflicts between her and xavier and then further within the x-men themselves it and uh culminates in her accidentally killing raven which yeah. when jennifer lawrence read that i bet she was like yeah 100 percent She's she probably did like a Soul Campbell knee slide, like literally. <laughs> literally. She's not then, yeah, that... these films for you. Just, <laughs> you. just tell she does not give a shit at all. No, I bet she regrets signing such a long contract. Oh, yeah. Or um, well, actually, to be fair, when she signed on, she wasn't a big star. That's and true. then, and then she kind of went stratospheric, and then she was probably like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> or after Hunger Games. I think it was like. Similar time. So the first class came out in like 2011. Yeah. Ish. And I'm not sure when the Hunger Games films came out, but maybe around a similar time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she certainly hadn't won Oscars by that point. She um, won yeah, she's won two, I think. Has she? Oh, yeah. She won for, was it Silver Linings Playbook? Oh, and right. maybe a, another? I can't remember. But, um, yeah, so that, you know, then obviously Magneto loved Raven, uh, Xavier loved her as a sister, yeah. and Beast loved her. Um, so they're all sort of like, oh, we want to kill Jean Grey. Um, and then there's this like random woman called Vuk, who's part of the Dabari, and 
they want the power that she's got, but they're very, very incidental in the plot. You know what um, I read about that? Yeah. Um, so basically, the the villain, like them villains, they were supposed to be scrolls, but because um, of all like, the reshoots and stuff like that, and the film got getting pushed back, and then Captain Marvel came out, they didn't want to do a similar storyline, so they basically changed it. It culminated in those villains being not. <laughs> yeah, I read that as well. Because apparently, yeah, from what I've read, it sounds like the plot was quite similar to Captain Marvel. Like a lot of it was cosmic, like in space. Even the the way that Phoenix manifests was a little more like how Captain Marvel, you know, is on fire sort of thing. Mm. Um, so that didn't help. But I mean, the film is a mess, isn't it? Like there's points, and you're like, why is that even happening? Like there's a fight and magneto pulls up a subway train in onto land and and you're like why has he done that it was sick though i enjoyed that bit i'm not gonna lie i mean it was visually good but i was just like what is the point yeah fair why enough. is he why has he done that there was no it literally was no impact on the plot at all yeah. you know he didn't throw it at anybody he just sort of just was like yeah get a subway train there you go <laughs> why right, yeah did you laugh when um, uh, Jean Grey made uh, Xavier walk? Yeah, oh. It was a bit <laughs> like... <laughs> getting an able-bodied person to play a disabled man to then play a disabled man trying to walk. I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> that's not going to go down well. But yeah, I mean, do you know what? It wasn't terrible. It was better than Apocalypse. Yeah, I think it was as well. But it was a mess. Like, you know, the Dabari were just so... I don't know, the, the whole reasoning for wanting it was just, well, they're just so underdeveloped, all of them. Like, yeah. I feel, you know, bad for Jessica Chastain because she's quite a good actress and she was just wasted. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's probably because of the whole scrolls thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to miss miss though that that franchise. I will a bit, I think. And I think, actually, quickly, before I talk about that, I want to talk about the film. So I thought that the beginning was rather crap. Um, like even in like all the going into space and all that stuff, I didn't really. And then after um, Jean killed Raven, so um, from then on, <laughs> from then onwards, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Um, and I thought that the third act, so basically from the train, uh, that train scene, all that stuff onwards, I thought it was actually pretty decent. Like the bit on the train when. Magneto's fighting him with all the guns and shit. And, that was cool. Uh, yeah, when Nightcrawler goes nuts and starts slitting people's throats and stuff. That was... Sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. It's all the way, mate. That was, that was decent as well. Um, so, yeah, I, overall, I thought it was all right. I mean, it's not good. It's not terrible. Like you say, Apocalypse. I, I think Apocalypse is worse than this. The Wolverine, the second film, that's worse than this. Probably X3 is probably worse than this as well. I, I, I feel like they under... Rep- underused some characters like Quicksilver you know I liked his character in Days of Future Past I think it was Yeah. and then like Storm has barely anything to do Yeah. Um, Nightcrawler I was like I forgot he was even in it to be honest yeah, from the last film you got a little bit got a little bit of things to do and then there was that guy who was using his dreadlocks as whips and that other woman who could um read minds they were i don't even think they were named they were just like no. they're just like there doing their thing and then get killed off i was like oh i, I found one bit quite 
like awful to watch was I don't know if you remember when um Jean Grey's trying to kill the people in the helicopter and Magneto's trying to stop her from killing them and they're both kind of just like moving their hands and shit and like obviously it was like and obviously they're both trying they're trying to show off their like their powers and I was watching it thinking this just visually it looks absolutely terrible. Like they, they just look like a pair of spastics. Like it was Yeah. Terrible. But yeah, that was the that was my most hated part of the film. So and that wasn't even that bad. And also I think that um Beast's motivate Beast kind of being like, Oh yeah, Raven's dead, so now I want to kill Jean Grey was a bit I wasn't really buying it to be honest. He kind of just teamed up with Magneto really quickly. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely feel that there's a lot cut out of this or missed out because i mean the film was actually quite short it was like an hour 45 yeah which for a current you know a modern superhero film is relatively short um they're normally at least two hours or so and i feel like there could have been a bit more kind of fleshing out of that of like you know beast and magneto and even the threat of the dabari because when beast and magneto then decide they don't want to kill gene that again is sort of quite quick yeah it's just sort of like oh yeah okay we won't kill her anymore we'll forgive her for killing raven and you know vuk wasn't that threatening she kind of tore a train apart and that's about it and then died Mm. Uh, yeah i don't know i wonder how quickly they'll introduce x-men and fantastic four into uh into mcu i can't imagine it'll be till phase five or so yeah i did hear someone say it's going to be at least a few years well i think to be honest you probably need that gap Mm. like there was what maybe five years or so between x-men last stand and x-men first class and that was enough time for you to sort of be like oh cool you know it'll be nice to see what they do with these characters again rather than like oh another one like we know the whole spider-man amazing spider-man tom holland spider-man you're like yeah we've had enough of this yeah or you know batman origin stories um yeah i am uh, i don't know if you agree i do like because i think x-men have has quite a different tone to like other superhero films and i'm worried that when they do come out uh in how many years if they do decide that they'll be like really similar to um, to you which is not really what i want i kind of want Different, X-Men yeah. slightly, slightly darker, which I quite enjoy. I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Like, you wouldn't get a film like Logan. No, but then Logan, again, was tonally quite different to the rest of the X-Men because they sort of made a conscious effort to make it R-rated. I feel like they've all been pretty... Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Pretty... Um, like, oh, oh, like, didn't in, is it in Days of Future? No, or maybe First Class when Magneto kills the geezer with a coin mm-hmm. through his head. Um, yeah, is that Days of Future Class or is that one of the extra? I think it's First Class. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's always been fairly like a bit more violent. Yeah, because Days of Future Class, where Wolverine cut up all slices them people when he's getting shot at in the bedroom yeah. as soon as he wakes up. Yeah. So true. Yeah, I get usually quite more, but whenever Wolverine's about, it's a lot more violent. <laughs> yeah. I guess the the, or, the the origins of them are quite dark because then, like you know, Magneto was a um, you know was in a concentration camp, and um, you know Logan was has been you know someone put a load of metal in him. Um, I'll be interested to see if they keep the metal as adamantium or if they change it to vibranium. Why would they change it to vibranium? 
Because that's an established metal now within the MCU, isn't it? So is, so is adamantium. Adamantium has not been mentioned in the MCU. Has it? Yeah, but it is in in comics and stuff. It is established yeah. metal. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll try and keep them quite separate. So that the MCU, they'll keep them sort of different, like parallel sort of. Well, I've already heard rumours that 2020 they're bringing in Fantastic Four. Oh. And and someone said that with that will come the connotations of X Men as well. I kind of think Fantastic Four is easier to integrate. Yeah. If you're gonna one, if you're gonna do one of them, I think Fantastic Four is the easier. So yeah. Because you could you could say that they were in space or something while all these things are happening or something. Mm. I don't really know how they're gonna do it unless they the multiverse thing. Because Fantastic Four is basically experiments. Yeah. So like that's much easier to explain than being like mutants. Yeah. And so they kept it under wraps for years, and suddenly some would come out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Average film. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Very. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about Men in Black International? Um, I feel like we should talk about something that Chris has seen. Because, yeah. Oh, have you not seen that either, Chris? No, no I haven't seen it. Yet. What have you seen, Chris? Uh, what was uh, what's it called? Brightburn. Oh, okay. So Obi's seen that as well. I've seen Brightburn. And you haven't? I haven't, but I mean, it's a horror film, so unless you think there's anything major that if I'd be annoyed about to spoil, then... Uh, yeah. From what I understand, it's Superman, <laughs> but he's evil, so I, yeah. I'm going to see it, but feel free to go into detail. I'll let Chris go first. Chris didn't really like it. So. I just didn't think it was all that. I, was, I don't know what I expected from it. Um, so do, you like, wanna, do you want to explain the plot a bit? That's what I was going to do. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, it's basically two people starts off, they're about to have sex, and then a noise is heard. They find a spaceship of some kind with a kid inside. Skip a few years, the kid's grown up a little bit. Like, it must be, what, 12? Uh some reason doesn't doesn't know he has powers yet uh or yeah it was the thing wasn't it it was um there was like a um he was in bed one night and i think the spaceship the spaceship started to talking and I think to him. activated his yeah and like he he suddenly jumped he, he jumped out his window on the second floor third floor and he was fine tried to open this barn hatch which had his um which had his spaceship in but he did he didn't know that spaceship's there obviously it's the whole we haven't told him he's an alien kind of thing and then the mum sees it happen, doesn't tell the dad. Everything goes back to normal kind of thing. Kids still hearing noises, having these thoughts. And then the kid like kind of likes this girl because this girl like kind of not defended him, but made him feel better about because he's really smart. But he's like, you know how the films make them really weird, smart kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was like, oh no, don't listen to them. They're just jealous kind of thing. And then um. And then, then the dad, then the dad and the kid are lawnmowering, aren't they? And the kid, I can't remember what happens to the lawnmower. Something happens. He's trying to, he's trying to make the lawnmower uh, work, work. work, and he, in frustration, he throws it away. Throws, he it, throws away. it like hundred meters. Yeah, and then, he, and then he just suddenly decides he's going to stick his hand in the, the propeller, and it breaks. Then we skip again to like another bit where he's like, uh, he's eating breakfast, isn't he? He's, he's, he's just zoning out and just chewing on his fork. And then, so the parents are like, oh, okay, we need to have a chat with him. So like, they go into his room, look through some stuff. They find that he's like got some pictures of women. Then he's got pictures of organs, and he's got pictures of like the, the human body. 
and his dad's like, okay, I'll go and talk to him. And the dad basically says to him, like, it's okay it, yeah, it's okay if you have a wank and stuff. And, and the kid was like, <laughs> nah. and the kid was like, he's like, you can do it anytime. And the kid was like, what now? And he was like, no, not now. And they just kind of go on the daily bit, like they're, they're doing hunt, uh, deer hunting. And like, you can see progressively that he's getting more frustrated because there was a scene in, in a calf where the uncle gave him a gun and the dad was like, no, you're not having that gun. And the kid was like, no, I'm having that gun. And like lights were flickering um, and he was like really strong and stuff. But so the kid, now knowing that he can have a wank, decides, to visit, <laughs> decides he's going to visit this girl he fancies. And I couldn't really see it on my screen. But like, I assume you could see him on your screen that he was outside. I couldn't see him. Oh, you couldn't. She okay. could see him. Yeah, oh, she, I see him. yeah. So she yeah. saw him and she freaked out. Told the mum. Then the girl was a bit like iffy with him after that. And so they're playing this game. I don't know what P game they were doing, but they're all it's in a, a circle. Tr- it was a trust exercise. Trust exercise where they're all in a circle and they're pushing him around the circle, keeping him up. And then the girl suddenly, after about three cycles, goes uh, pervert and just drops him to the floor. Well, no, she, no, she let she drop. She let him drop first. Oh yeah. And then called him. <laughs> yeah, and the teacher's like, if you don't pick him up, uh, you're gonna fail this class. And then as she's picking him up, he goes mad, and he literally just crushes Crush her hand, hand, like breaks it in multiple places. And everyone's, and everyone's just like, they, they just skips it, skips to the meeting room. And I'm like, fuck me, if a kid could break your hand like that so fast, yeah. like alarm bells would be ringing everywhere. But anyway, yeah. the kid then goes to visit the girl and's like. Um, and he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, here's some flowers kind of thing. And the girl's like, yeah, my mum said you can't talk to me anymore. Yeah, he sneaks up into her room, by the way. He doesn't like go to... Like, oh, yeah. He just, ap- he just appears in the room. Yeah. Okay. And, then, uh, and then he's like, yeah, I'll, don't worry, I'm going to sort that out. And so, you know, that in the trailer, you see that like calf scene. That's the girl's mum. And it's just like brutal. Like, he just... You don't even find the mum in the end, do you? No. She, 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 she killed yeah. him. Yeah. What was that body? No, I think her body's in the barn. Oh, at the end. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stabbed to the fence. Yeah. Or the barn door. Yeah, basically, you just go through this like cycle of like him getting more, more aggressive. Yeah. You don't really know what his powers are, but he's got loads of them. Yeah. He can like flicker electricity, turn electricity six, off. Six yeah. yeah, it's even set in Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> is his name Clark? <laughs> no, no, his name's Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> okay. Brandon Batson or something. Like, Batson or something. Um, but he he basically kills his uncle. Uh, does, does he not kill the uncle's girlfriend, does he? No, he doesn't. That scene, where, the scene where he kills his uncle, so is very disgusting, but also very good. And also, I laugh because... The, young, the, the uncle. Un- yeah, so, like, um, the uncle obviously realises that... Uh, no, so what happens is, um, after he breaks his girl's hand, Brandon has to go to um, the school guidance counsellor, who is also his aunt. So then, okay. basically, he goes to his aunt's house and says, like, uh, tell my parents that everything's okay, otherwise it won't end up well for you, kind of thing. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, piss off. And so he's, um, he pretends to leave, but then hides in her um, in her closet. And I think he's about to kill her, but then the husband, uh, his uncle, Noah, comes home and basically says, like, what the fuck are you doing, you, you pervert, kind of thing. And he's like, I'm about to take you home. And then Brad's basically like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, you're not taking me home. Um, starts fucking him up. And then... Um, the uncle just starts driving away and he drives to the he drives down the road and then Brandon's like in front of the car and he's like he looks at him and he's just like no no yeah. not today he's <laughs> with his car in reverse and tries to reverse yes, back yeah. I was dying of laughter yeah. I thought it was so funny but he, he's the guy who plays the um, he plays Jesse Pinkman's like, best mate in uh, Breaking uh, Bad 
Right. The, the funny, the funny one in that as well. Is that is that the bit you said was realistic from a horror film? Yeah, because that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I would do. I'm like, nope, not today. And I'll fucking so, back up and die. That, 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 that death was, was oh, horrible. Oh, yeah, the great the death is horrible. Yeah. So as like a Superman Origins, um, is it really derivative? Yeah. yeah. Like, how do they get away with that? I don't know. I actually don't know. I feel like it's, there's probably some sort of copyright, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's not. He's not allergic to kryptonite. He's allergic to some kind of metal. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The names are different. Yeah. Um, he's actively aggressive towards everyone instead of being like hidden and stuff. That's, um, yeah, because I suppose in a way it's not Superman. It's, yeah. kind of, it's basically like the opposite of Superman. But then at the very end, yeah. did he become like a Superman or was he a supervillain? He was a supervillain. Because I couldn't. I, the thing was going f- through so yeah. fast. I didn't have chance to no, read was, it. Yeah, because though, like the spaceship um, starts speaking to him in some sort of other language and it translates to him saying take the world so that's basically him thinking okay I'm clearly superior clearly superior to the rest of these humans so I'm basically gonna, gonna kill everyone and so yeah, at the end it... of the film sorry go on no 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 go on at the end of the film he basically so you know skipping 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 oh another thing not also after um, he kills uh, his uncle um, he basically goes back to his parents and lies about where he was that night da, 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 da. yeah and they basically know that he's lying. They find out that the uncle's um, dead, and then they ask him. They tell him, "Oh yeah, your uncle's dead." And he basically shows no emotion whatsoever, yeah. which lets them know, "Okay, this kid's a fucking psychopath." And the dad, who at this point was like, "This ain't my, this, like, this kid's not human. He ain't my kid. Like we need to do something about this." And the mum's like defending him to the death. The dad takes him out, and say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go on a camping trip," and tries to shoot him in the head with a shotgun, which is exactly what I would have done. <laughs> that didn't quite work out. Shoots him in the head, and the, thing, the bullet just bounces off his head. <laughs> yeah, and then was, the kid yeah. turns around and looks at him, and the dad just fucking runs. He fucking legs it the other way, which I thought was. <laughs> and then yeah, he kills his dad. Um, he like laserizes his dad, burns his burns his head. Yeah, pretty, that's pretty, pretty cool. And then at this point, the mum, the police come by the house, and they figure out the mum figures out that um, basically deduces that you know he's um, this murder the guy who's gone around murdering people. Um, and basically called the dad saying, yeah, you were right about Brandon, blah, blah, blah. And it's Brandon's on the, on the phone, because obviously the dad's dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, dad's gone. And then he flies back to the house, kills a couple of policemen. Oh, and that, then basically, brutal yeah, as well. And then the mum tries to get, because the mum saw that the ship cut him. So she tries to run to the ship and grab a bit of it to cut him with it. And she, like, hugs him. And then she's about to try and stab him. And he sees that and he's like, nope. Grabs her, shoots her up into the sky, up uh, above the clouds, and then just fucking drops her, kills her. And then he sees a plane coming towards him, and I think he lets the plane hit him and makes it look as if there was a plane crash, and so that he was the only survivor, and his parents died in a plane, in a plane, in a, from a plane crashing down to, on his. Ah. And then it, it basically it ends with news clips of him terrorizing the earth, and then there's this um, conspiracy uh, theorist guy played by the same guy who plays Yondu in Guardians. Um, and he's basically talking about, oh yeah, this is a government government experiment. They're hiding these people from us. And he talks about this. So this guy, Brightburn, which is what they call him, the town's called Brightburn. Yeah. And then he talks about a half man, half sea creature who's going around terrorizing ships and stuff. Oh right. He talks about a woman royal who's been killing people with her rope. Wonder Woman. Oh yeah. shit. But yeah. I, I, so you can tell from the way I'm talking about. It, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was decent. So it's basically just like the DC, but dark. Basically, yeah. And I quite, enjoyed, I quite enjoyed the premise, and I would like them to like maybe do a couple more of these, like, what if 
it's happened to this. I like so it. I just feel like it happened so fast. The switch of changing yeah. happened so fast. Yeah. But uh, it was it's a long enough film though, so it was, suppose, it was only about ninety minutes. So I think he's a bit, it was a bit shallow. Like I think it could have done with a bit more like depth into maybe several characters. Yeah. Um. But yeah, on the surface, I I quite enjoyed. I quite enjoyed most most of it. I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued by it, and like I I will watch it. Mm. Um. Yeah. So especially you know you said the possibility of kind of sequels or you know. Yeah. Um. But I just do I do wonder what warner brothers and dc think about this because yeah. surely they're like we could be making a lot of money off of this mm. and <laughs> we're not because you're der- deriving from it um but yeah i mean interesting yeah what what else have you watched recently chris any recent releases mm, i've watched toy story 4 no me neither crappy netflix films. Oh, well i watched i watched Three Netflix films. I watched Always Be My Maybe, I Am Mother, and Murder Murder Mystery. Do you want to take us through them? Sure. Um, yeah, go on. And I think. Uh, where do I start? Okay. Uh, so might as well start with Murder Mystery. As uh, Glenn, you're a big fan of Adam Sandler, and I massive and, fan. And we all like a bit of Jennifer Aniston. And I. We do. Um. <laughs> Basically, it's about a married couple, said, said two people as a married couple, and basically Adam Sandler's a failed, he's a policeman who keeps failing his detective exam. Okay. Uh, and he's told his wife that he's, in a, he's a detective and his mate's covering for him and he's asked his mate's wife to cover for him as well when they go on this double date. And basically, I think it was 15 years ago, he said that he would take her to France on as a as a honeymoon. So he decided out of nowhere he's gonna take her to France for a honeymoon. And they're on a flight and they're on like they like you know it's a whole big thing like first class is like much better. So they're on second class, she's a bit pissed about it. Get over it. So she <laughs> decides to wander and go into first class like when he's asleep because he's snoring and stuff. And she meets this really handsome bloke and he's like talking to her and then one of the cabin crew people are like oh you've got lead sarah and the guy said the guy says his name i can't remember what his name is she's like oh sorry sir like she's seven class like and he's like no it's fine she can stay they're chatting laughing and he's like oh you and your husband should come on our cruise um he was like it's my ex-wife it's my ex-girlfriend and my dad that they're together now and they're having this cruise and she's like yeah sounds amazing husband comes in like trying to be like the man like who whose wife you're talking to kind of thing like then he's like no we won't go they get off the flight and they look at their tour bus they're getting on and it's like full of these families and it's like uh it's just like they're like oh fuck it's like kind of thing we're gonna go we're gonna go with him so they call over to him he's like yeah come on get on this cruise you can feel there's like animosity between him and several members of the ship and then they basically get on the ship and everyone's chatting away and the dad says he's going to sign the whole company or whatever, because they're billionaires. I think he says he's going to sign it over to the girlfriend. Next okay. thing, lights go out. It's like, it's like fucking Cluedo. Lights go out. <laughs> Boom. Shots fired. The guy's stabbed. Right? Yeah, I know. Shot Shots fired. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Uh, okay. The guy's stabbed. They're like, oh my God, who's done it? And um, 
the there's this like, basically there's this like chief army guy kind of like and he's like uh he takes the sword out of the chest and Adam Sandler's and then Jennifer Aniston's character's like oh it's Adam Sandler's character you can do something about this you're a detective and he's like yeah he's like you probably shouldn't have taken that out of his chest I'd put that back and so they put it back and he's like and then he's like got this boulder shrimp he obviously doesn't give a shit he's like because he's not a detective as well so he's like trying to actively avoid the situation and then she's like come on and he's like well basically everyone go back to your rooms like we need to this is a crime scene someone ring the police let's leave it can i interject very quickly yeah and say this sounds a lot like murder on the orient express it also sounds like cluedo true um it's kind of like it but obviously not the shit ending um, oh okay yes yeah murder on the orient express was okay um so then this French detective comes in. There's like, oh, right. yeah, he basically asks them all who they think done it, and they're all like the American couple. Oh, before they got off the boat, someone else is murdered. So the son, one of the sons, is writing a letter saying he murdered his dad, but he's then been murdered while writing this thing. There's two murders now. They get off the thing. French detective asks everyone who they think it is. They all point to the American thing couple, and so basically. He's like, basically, don't leave the country. I've got your passport, kind of thing. Stuff like, cool. Uh, and then it's basically a continuation of murders of all these different people. And then it's and Jennifer Aniston's character being like mixed up with it, and like they're constantly having to get away from it. And then the police are after them, like they assume they're the murderers, kind of thing. So everything's like linking to them. And then at the very end, there's four people left in addition to Jennifer Aniston and and Osama's character. I think that originally there was like twelve. Or something and they call the policeman to come over and he comes over and they basically like bloody bloody blah this person didn't have done it this person wouldn't have done it this person wouldn't have done it but this person's real name is this and they've done it and then she like tries to like walk away she gets called done I think it's over they're all sitting down drinking and then one of the characters can't understand their can't understand Adam Sanders English or, or Spanish no English then he says something and the guy understands it so and then he walks away and then they all kind of like, Adam Sanders like, hey, how do you suddenly understand me? And they're all like, oh shit, there's not one of them, there's two of them. And then there's this like whole car chase scene where they chase after the guy, and then the guy's about to kill Adam Sandler, and then the travel bus from the very beginning of the story comes swooping in and kills the guy. <laughs> End of story. Sounds. It was okay. It, it wasn't It wasn't a good it, film. It it wasn't a good film. It wasn't a bad film. It was okay. Was it funny? It had funny moments. Mm. Yeah. I feel like Adam Sandler's just resigned to making mediocre films now. Well, who cares? Making money, making money, isn't it? That's true. Say, one film I actually maybe would say you'd be interested in watching is I Am Mother. We okay. both be actually. Tell me about it's that. Like, it starts with this like robot creature. Like it looks like the one from a uh, oh. What's the one with the just? on a robot he's like got all that chains and bling and stuff um chappy chappy the robot kind of looks like chappy but it's not right okay it's like so you see this robot and it's like being called mother and there's this girl growing up with the robot learning all different things having to reach certain targets all this stuff 
don't really want to spoil it. I just want to talk to Basically, they're isolated to this this building. They're not allowed to leave the building because the air is being toxic. That's what we believe for Colfix. And so the girl is also growing up. She loves her mother. Like she's like, yes, blah blah blah. And then she's always hitting her targets, always doing well. And she's like, there's like they've got all these seeds of And the mother is like, well, I'm just waiting. I'm just going to see how well I do with you, and then I'll once done well with you another child kind of thing and help them out together and they've got everything they need on this thing uh sometimes it the system shuts down the girl like fixes it or mother's a bit broken so she fixes her and it's like okay cool, cool. it's like a different story it's going swimmingly then the girl hears some banging on the outside mother says don't go outside she does it secretly she opens an airlock opens another airlock lets the woman in then the woman comes in, and the woman's like, basically, fuck the robot, they're like the bad guys. The girl's like, no, me and mother, no way, like, kind of thing. And it's this whole, like, woman saying some, one thing, mother saying another thing, girl, like, in a bit of a limbo between both of them. And then, eventually, again, I don't really want to spoil much, because I actually generally think you should both watch it. But okay. I just that, basically. But is it sci-fi? Is it horror? Sci-fi. Wouldn't say it's a horror. Okay. It's and got, what's it's got blood what, though? What's interesting about it? I just think the whole premise is like being locked away with a robot and just having that as your reality, and then someone coming into that reality being like, saying, I don't, I don't think it's gonna ever, it's not gonna be like what happened to Monday kind of thing, but it's a yeah. decent Netflix kind of movie. Okay. But, and so what? The, there's the robot who's looking after humans then so human human okay all right it sounds interesting yeah and there's a few twists in it and yeah so i don't want to say too much more i think you should watch it it'd be, it'd be interesting okay and what about um you'll always be my maybe that always what? be my maybe is like kind of a funny romantic film kind of bit uh oh, i don't know either the actor or actress's name Oh, okay, he was quite funny. They basically have they have a friendship from very young. I think the guy's mother dies. The girl becomes like a sh- famous chef kind of thing. But they, I think they're both each other's first like sets and stuff. And then as they get older, they grow apart. She becomes famous. He becomes part of a band, but he sticks to like his own little club. He doesn't really branch out. She thinks he's amazing. That moment he does. She, he thinks she's a bit of a cooking side. Uh, because I watched it in three bits. Like, I watched a bit, and then I watched another bit, and I watched another bit. can't remember how they relink, but they start talking again, and it's like, she comes to watch the gigs, and she's like, you're amazing, why don't you just branch out a bit? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And then he's like, to her, like, why do you do all this fancy food? Why don't you do the traditional stuff you used to like? He's like, it's doing well. Like, just open a new restaurant. Then I think they meet up again. He's got a girlfriend. So she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, she was with a guy, and then the guy was like, can we have an open relationship, basically, and she was like, kind of thing. I think that's maybe how they reconnect. And then, so then she brings a boyfriend along who's Keanu Reeves, and it is actually Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. Like this pretentious guy, like um, he, the, like the food they have at this restaurant is so like, is it flamboyant? Is that the right word? Like they're having bubbles of alcohol. Like this guy makes bubbles, and you eat the bubbles, and it's alcohol, and it's like this. 
Yeah. It's like completely black and it tastes like some random thing and there's like flowers you can eat and it's like, it's, it's just really bizarre. Like it'd be funny to go if it was an actual real restaurant. And then like, there's a, there's even, um, Keanu Reeves goes, is there a food that I can have where I can like hear the animal as I'm eating it kind of thing? And so they, they go, yeah, we got one of those. So they put the headphones on, put it into the plate. And as he's eating like the veal, he can hear the animal noises and he starts like crying and stuff. And it's kind of funny. But then they go back to like Keanu's house and they do this like daring game. And then you can tell there's animosity between the main guy and Keanu. Keanu's like, if you want to punch me, just punch me. And the guy goes, okay, then he punches him. And then he's like, um, and then they have like an argument and then, the guy, the main characters, kiss and have on the way home. Um, she gets angry with Kanto, and then their relationship starts. Like they actually have a proper relationship with each other. But then she's like, "I want to move to New York, where my restaurant is." He's like, well, "I don't want to leave my little town." And so, and they he the, and then as they're like separating again, the girl's like, I, "I've always loved you, always will love you, but you need to like do something more with your life. Like you can't always." there and he's like he he says he has to look after his dad and stuff you go to the next scene and it's like his dad is probably capable of looking after himself his dad's now got a girlfriend like it's all cool and then he kind of like he's like oh i want her back she's like ignoring him so he's sending her all these texts all these emails all these calls Mm. and then he uh he uh he starts doing progression with the band and stuff and they're doing really well and he's decided to do all the sales himself for his t-shirts and everything and he, he, he's like, oh, I've moved house. He's like, oh, I'm going to come and see you. So he goes to the, to the office and she's got all the merchandise that so she's been buying it. Mm. She obviously really loves him. And then basically he goes to the, the opening of this restaurant. She's there. He says, I love you. She says, I love you. And then she said, like, look at this new restaurant I'm opening. It's the traditional food I said I always like making. Blah, blah, blah. Happy ending. Happy ending. So what does always be my maybe mean then? Oh, maybe she says it at one point. She I didn't even talk that, you know. Okay. Because I thought, said, maybe, I thought maybe it then, like, and she was like, you know, you'd always be my, like, if we're not married by the time we're 40, then I'll marry you sort of thing. It, Is it she, like probably, she probably does say that at the very beginning. I'm not going to lie. They were friends at the beginning. I just did you know, I didn't even think about it. It was just oh, okay. like the film and zoned in. But, yeah. Probably not that deep, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 an it's an easy it's an easy watch. You could watch it. It's got funny moments in it, like the Keanu Reeves bit. It's like it's there for comedy. It's there's there's a little seriousness in it, but it's majority comedy. And they're both comedic actors, aren't they? It's the lady and the guy. Am I right in thinking it's a majority Asian American cast? Yes. That's quite good then as well. For, you know, in terms of representation, because we had um, crazy rich Asians last year. Or the- He's got... Yeah, no, I mean, Crazy Rich Asians was, was all right, but, you know, it's just more important in terms of, you know, representation and stuff. Um, did you notice the director, Chris? Was it directed by an Asian, do you know? I don't know. Uh, was it Always Call Me Maybe? Yeah. Always Call Me Maybe. Well, uh, should we talk about Men in Black International whilst Chris... It's- Oh my gosh, Nanaka Khan is director. Okay. <laughs> and producers were Ali Wong, Randall Park, Nathan Man. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I might check that Iron Mother out. Uh, yeah, should we talk about Men in Black International? Are you going to watch it, Chris? 
Yeah, but again, spoiler, I don't mind. It's, it's I mean, fine. look, there is, I mean, it might be a while before I see it. It depends what free time I've got. So, I mean, I'm going to caveat this discussion first by saying I have only seen the first Men in Black film. Um, really? Yeah, I haven't seen the second, or maybe I did, but when I was very young. And I certainly haven't seen the third one. So this is the fourth entry into the franchise. It is um, not necessarily a sequel, more of a spin-off to the first three, um, which, as far as I understand, are all kind of direct sequels to one another. Um, This is uh, Chris Hemsworth's character. He is um, H and... uh, What's her name? Tessa Thompson plays another letter. M? No. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, because her name's Molly, isn't it? Something like that. Molly May. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so basically it's there's like two openings, which I'm going to start by saying I didn't like. So the first opening is um, Chris Hemsworth's uh, H is with Liam Neeson's high T, um, and they're on a mission in Paris to stop the hive who are an alien species um from kind of taking over the world and uh you sort of just before they they the uh men in black win it sort of cuts to a child version of molly and um there's an alien invasion well a single alien kind of comes into her home and um her parents get mind vaporized uh, but she doesn't and so she is aware that there are alien beings out there. And so she then spends the next 20 odd years of her life trying to uh, find the men in black because she wants to work for them. Um, but, can, I you just, know. can I just say something? Before you carry on doing this, are you going to do the whole synopsis of this film? Because I don't mind if you do. I mean, I was going to do it as briefly as I could. Because my assumption when I watched the trailer of this is that either the main guy, Liam Neeson or Liam Hemsworth, are going to be a villain in this story. Chris Hemsworth. Who would you hazard a guess at? Liam Neeson. Yeah. I mean, See? so I mean, we're skipping to the end. So basically, um, what happens is there's a alien creature who's royalty, and he's being looked after by H and M. Uh, this is M's first assignment. Um, but he gets killed. But before that, he says, you can't trust everybody, gives her this device, and it's like, you know, keep it secret. Uh, and then High T, who's Liam Neeson's character, is like, oh my gosh, maybe there's, you know, it kind of gets established there's a mole. They think it's this guy called C, played by Ralph um, Rafe Spall. Um, but I mean, if you've seen Widows and you've seen the end of Widows, you're like, it's definitely Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, so I think the casting on that point was a bit, you know, it kind of signals what's going to happen. Um, I did initially very briefly think it might be Chris Hemsworth's character, which I thought would be good, but it wasn't. Um, so basically, yeah, there's like a mole, and um, essentially it turns out that Liam Neeson's character wants the Hive to to take over the world, because he was, in fact, his body has been taken over by one of the aliens. I mean, the plot is sort of a bit incidental. Like, it's more just the chemistry between them, and, you know, their kind of... Yeah, their chemistry, their jokes there kind of tit for tat what did you think obi have i missed anything uh no you pretty much got it all to be honest um me personally i i really like the men in black films um, 
I think that this film fared better if it wasn't under the name Men in Black. Okay. I have kind of expected a certain uh, level, I guess, or a certain tone, which this film kind of tries to match, but it's not really the same. Like, um, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Thompson, although their chemistry in the film is good, I, it's not really, it's not quite the same as like Tommy Lee Jones and Smith, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do, I, I like the way they kind of like, Use the humor still. It kind of like the way Chris Hemsworth was doing his acting kind of made me uh, it was quite similar to like his Thor Ragnarok sort of that sort of um, Chris Hemsworth, which is yeah. Yeah, I enjoy that. Um, I think that overall it's not a uh, not a great film. But I think if you'd had done this exact film and called it something else, I think people would be a bit less down on it now. Um, I think, yeah, I think the fact that it's a reboot of a pretty uh, well-known franchise means that uh, people are kind of uh, elevating it to a certain level, and obviously it didn't quite match up to that, which is fair enough. Um, I did quite, I did catch the Liam Neeson being the villain thing, only because they tried so hard to make it look like it was um, Agency, and I was like, it was obviously not really him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, f- I felt bad for Ralph Racebull, because he doesn't get loads to do he's basically like quite a stereotypical like um overlooked person do you know what i mean like yeah and the chris hemsworth's like the attractive successful not intelligent one though he doesn't seem to come across that intelligently um did you you catch the thing about so he kept saying with my wits and my did you catch that did you think oh yeah i didn't really until they um i i caught on to it but i just thought he was just saying out of arrogance yeah. Not, not that there was anything wrong with him keeping repeating that point. I would have. Um, oh, sorry. I was just say, I think you know the way that they come to the conclusion is again a bit could have been a bit more fleshed out, but yeah. But um, yeah, for me, I I, I enjoyed uh, H and M's like journey, like their whole like you know back and forth. I quite enjoyed uh, those bits. Um, there are a few bits as well. I can't. I generally can't remember now, but there are a few bits that I'll probably laugh. Um, go on. I liked Pawnee. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, quite yeah. Funny when he's like, "I'm gonna fall on my sword and die in the most horrible way yeah. possible," and he's just like, yeah. his eye keeps opening because he's like, yeah. "Are you gonna tell me to not to?" And Chris Hemsworth's like, "I want to see this." <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, I thought that I would have liked if they'd shown us after they revealed that um, H had been um, muralized. I'd like them to have like shown us that bit how it actually played out from the mm. beginning. Um, obviously they didn't do that. And I thought the ending was quite rubbish, I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, like after they find out that Liam Neeson is evil, like from there onwards I thought that bit all that was kinda of crap. Um but yeah. Um I'd say it's it's okay, you know, it's not terrible. It's not good. I think X Men Dark Phoenix was better than it. I would have them about the same level first. Yeah. I mean I, I probably wouldn't see a sequel. Um, I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm open to them doing other. Um, I would be like to see them, you know, try and continue this reboot-ish kind of thing. You know, maybe go to another country. Maybe go to another Spain or something. Yeah, I mean, expanding the mythology of it's fine. I just, I don't know. There was, there's a few nods to the previous ones, like those little weird, like worm-looking things. Yeah, they they walk out. And they have the um, pictures on the wall of them. 
Yeah, there were some nice ideas, but um, yeah, were not very well executed. I also think, um, and this is also true of X Men: Dark Phoenix, that there's a point in the film where um, Tessa Thompson's like X, uh, no, uh, Men in Black, and then um, oh yeah, Emma, oh, Emma uh, Thompson's character's like, oh, we've had this discussion. It's like. And again, they have that in X Men, don't they? Because um, in X Men, Raven... was super cringy. That was super, super. Yeah, cringy. like Raven's like X Men, is it? What about the women are always saving the men around here? And I'm like, look, I appreciate you're trying to um, sort of make a point about uh, representation and you know females. Um, you know that they're they're a big part of the X Men and the, now in the Men in Black, but it's still X Men and Men in Black. But just because you call it out it doesn't mean that you've kind of undone it you they, they actually haven't changed it so it's sort of tokenistic and kind of pointless it's like you know you, you're acknowledging the fact that you are um i guess not being as fully representative as you could be but you're not making any strides to do that they, they didn't change the title from many black to international to i don't know agents in black or something you know, if the title of the film was that, then you'd be like, okay, cool, yeah, you know, they've made an effort here, or X mutants, I don't know, whatever. Again, I'm not trying to rebrand them, but I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of tokenistic and doesn't mm. doesn't push any, progress anything. But again, that's just a political side point I wanted to mention. Um, do you want to talk us spoiler free through toy story 4 that's probably the biggest release this week uh yeah briefly um well basically the story is about um woody feeling useless um, with this new girl um bonnie and basically so we've all seen the trailer has got this new she's got she's got a new toy forky and basically woody makes it his duty to keep forky killing himself basically <laughs> or getting rid of himself because uh, that's Bonnie's new favourite toy and that's pretty much what the film's about and um, really trying to find some usefulness now that um, because Bonnie doesn't really uh, she's not his favourite toy anymore so yeah that's basically what the film's about um, I enjoyed it I thought it was pretty good um, I think uh, I just had a look on Google so I think 98% on Rotten Tomatoes is a bit of a stretch I don't think it's that good Personally, um, yeah. there's some really funny moments, especially with um, the two toys played by so no, the three toys. So the one uh, Keanu Reeves is playing, the one and the two um, from uh, Jordan Peele and uh, Keegan Michael Key. Um, they're they're all pretty jokes, and obviously you got like the the classic uh, toys from the first three films. They all they all do their bit. Buzz Lightyear is always playing, um, and yeah, I think. I did enjoy them, like, ex- actually uh, expanding out into this, you know, this whole world. Like, they go to an antique store, they go to a carnival thing, and, and like, they go to school at one point. And, yeah, it's, like, it's nice to see them, like, actually, like, kind of branch out and stuff. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, overall, I did enjoy the film. There are actually some kind of, like, slightly creepy moments in it, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's a good film. I don't think it's definitely my favourite. Um, probably... Uh, Third favorite of all films. I don't. What's your, what's your least favorite? My least favorite. Mm. Uh, second one. Does, doesn't that one have a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes? 
Maybe. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get that. I'm, I'm not, just not really a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the second one. Yeah. Does it justify its inclusion? So, because we all thought Toy Story 3 would be end because there was that emotional part where they almost get incinerated. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, Toy Story 4. And I think you've said a few times, Obi, that you sort of felt duped that you'd invested emotionally in the third one, thinking it was the last one. Yeah. And now they're like, hey, we're going to make some more money. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do, I do still feel kind of... I, feel like, I still feel like this film wasn't really necessary. I think okay. the, way this, the way this film ended is pretty great. But yeah, actually, no, it's not that great. It's good. Um, but I think the way the third film ended is... Was, was just like really good. like it's kind of showing obviously they almost die and everything and then they get to the point where they say okay our journey with Andy is over at least now like we can be some like one person's trash is not treasure kind of thing yeah now with this girl's toys and we can keep being you know comforting to people kind of people and I think that's a great way for them to end yeah it. this way they ended it in Toy Story 4 is fine but I think from an emotional point of view the yeah, Toy Story 4 is better but yeah it's not to shit on the film because it's still pretty good I think the only way that they might, you know, continue the Toy Story franchise is if they leave it long enough for there to be a significant change in the type of toys that people have. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if a lot of them are like, I don't know, mechanic or like AI or digital, you know, because a lot of them are quite, I guess... Um, practical tangible toys yeah um they're not just an ipad you know yeah and i think maybe that's an avenue that they can explore in a in the future when you know maybe playing with a toy is no longer a thing and you know bonnie's instead just got an ipad and using apps i don't know that might be it actually i'm gonna fucking trademark that shit but <laughs> yeah oh, also the guy who plays four is really funny as well okay yeah. i didn't know keanu reeves was in it yeah, he plays like a Canadian action movie. It's pretty funny. Oh, Kaboom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that was Keanu. Um, okay, cool. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, it's definitely um, worth watching. Yeah. It's a nostalgia trip anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the, when I went to see it, there was way more adults in the cinema. Than the <laughs> I guess it's sort of like Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory. It's like, we want to see this shit because we grew up with the first one. Yeah, exactly. Also intrigued to know how many young kids actually go cinema anymore. Well, as opposed to like either illegally streaming it or watching Netflix. Or just playing on our iPads and not giving a damn. Yeah, I think, you know, box office, you know, Avengers Endgame making 2.7 something billion. I know obviously ticket prices have increased, but I think that still shows there's an appetite for cinema. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of teams that go to those sorts of things and I don't know yeah I think I think cinema's in a good position at the moment um it is dominated by sequels and reboots but oh well um I just wanted to mention some films that I watched whilst I was on the plane uh for ten and a half hours um so there's a kind of from the archives I guess we haven't I don't know if we've had that feature for a while um but I has anyone seen Million Dollar Baby one where is that one where the girl like hits her neck and yeah so it's um yeah it's a Clint Eastwood film it's uh got Hilary Swank in it so she plays like a a white trash girl who really wants to become a famous boxer um you know she she's very dedicated and 
puts all her time and effort into becoming a boxer. But Clint Eastwood's like this old school gym owner, uh, boxing trainer, and he only trains guys. And um, actually, one of them is uh, Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage. Um, there's actually a lot of famous people in this film. I think it was from like 2006. Um, but there's like Anthony Mackie, Mike Coulter, Jay Baruchel, and Michael Pena, all in like really small roles. And then you've got Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood. And I was like, fucking hell, it's a starry cast. Um, but yeah, so Clint Eastwood's like, I don't train women, you're too weak, you're too emotional, blah, blah, blah. Like, classic sexist. Um, but then, you know, slowly when he sees her dedication and thanks to uh, Morgan Freeman's character, he starts to train her and she becomes like really good. Like, she just knocks everyone out in like one or two punch, gives them the one bang. Um, and and then you know so then Clint Eastwood's sort of guard comes down and they get close and um, I sort of thought it was going to be like a female Rocky or a female Creed and because she gets like a title fight against this woman who's from like East Berlin and she's very butch and very powerful and then she's like winning um, and knocks her down and then the counts out but then what happens is this is quite near the end of the film, um, so spoilers incoming. But then this East German lady gets up and knocks um, Hilary Swank out from behind, and Hilary Swank's character falls and breaks her neck on a chair because they put it out because it was the end and they were like, for her to sit down sort of thing. So she snaps, snaps her neck and then is paralysed. And I was like, wow, this film has taken a fucking turn. Um, it is not like Rocky at all. And um, yeah, so I think like you alluded to, Chris, it, it ends with, so Hilary Swank's character can't move and um, she only speak. Um, and she's you know, on a ventilator and, you know, people just wash her and change her. And she's like, I do not want to live. Um, you know, I've had my chance. Glenn. Can you hear me? No, uh, you something went wrong there. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so she's like, she wants to die, um, and she's like, I've had my chance at the title, and you know, I don't want to be a vegetable for the rest of my life. Um, but obviously, no one. They're all like, we're not going to turn off your ventilator and everything. Um, so she chews off her tongue to try and bleed to death, and and it, it just like escalates, and I was just like. I was on the plane. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? This is taking a proper weird turn. Um, and then eventually, Clint Eastwood's character like euthanizes her. And I was like, wow. It is a very good, but completely depressing film. Um, it won Best Picture, and I think Hilary Swank won Best Actress. Um, so it is a very, very good film. But very unexpected i thought it would be a typical kind of rags to riches boxing film um but with a female perspective so i kind of respect the uh the kind of diversion it took but proper came out of nowhere but i would really recommend watching it um just don't expect it to be happy at the end (laughs) but you know as boxing movies go it's good and uh there's another film uh, sports film Clint Eastwood's in called uh, Trouble with the Curve, I think. 
which has got uh, Amy Adams in. That's also quite good. Um, and I also want to talk about First Man. So I know that it's a relatively recent film. Um, was hyped for Oscars, but I don't think was nominated for any. No. Um, not a good film to watch on a plane. Yeah. Considering uh, there's a couple of space shuttle crashes. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a nervous flyer, so I was fine. But the, I noticed they blanked out the word crash in one of the uh, in the speech. I was like, maybe just don't have this film on a plane. Um, but I thought that was quite good. Um, I, I don't really understand all the awards hype that it was getting before, you know, around like November time. Um, Ryan Gosling's character is good. Um, I mean, the story itself is is interesting. Uh, you know, the, the life of Neil, what's his name, Armstrong, up until the moon landing, um, and how like I didn't quite un- realize all the the, the the kind of pre trials that go into it and the sacrifices that certain people made. Um, I'm sort of surprised they carried on funding it to be honest, considering how many lives were lost. I wanted to beat Russia, isn't it? That's true. Although Russia beat them with everything else. Yeah. But it was it was one of those films, and it ended, and I was like, yeah, it was good, but not nothing special. I yeah. don't think. Like, the visuals, when needed, were fine. The acting was solid. But there, was just, there wasn't that wow factor, I don't think. Mm. Um, and I don't really know what else they could have done. But I think Neil Armstrong himself didn't come across in this film particularly charismatically. Oh. I don't know if that's how he was in real life or whatever, but I think when you make a film about someone who's lacking charisma it's tough to really feel for them and i don't think they painted buzz aldrin in a particularly good light either i don't know again how accurate that is but i can't imagine him and his family were over the moon with with uh, the portrayal of him what do you, what what was your opinion of it though Obi? i can't quite remember um i thought it was all right i think i think at the time i thought it was going to be one of those films that it gets nominated for oscar or win yeah. Nominated for anything. <laughs> um, yeah, at the time I thought, I think, who plays uh, uh, Neil Armstrong's wife? Amy Adams? Claire Foy. Claire Foy, that's it, Claire Foy. I thought she was really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's a solid film. Um, obviously, it's nice when you, because obviously it's fact, well, most of it, I'm sure it's factual. So I didn't really know anything about the, um, the space launch beforehand. So obviously, you learn stuff, which is good. But yeah, overall, it's not like a... I wouldn't say it was spectacular. I'd say it's a solid film. I think I gave it a seven. Yeah, it's run of the mill. Most of it, I would say. I think it's a bit long. I don't know. I'm not sure how long it is. I think I, I oh, think yeah, it's like two and a bit hours, two and a half hours. Or yeah, so. I'm thinking this is... A... Yeah, although when you're on a plane for ten and a half hours, you're quite happy to watch a film that's that long. That's true. <laughs> um, There's a couple of other things that you guys have got written on your list. So you've got Killing Eve, um, Jessica Jones, and Kakaguru. Kakaguri. Sorry if I butchered the pronunciation. Right. Do you want to talk about any of those things? Um, I would like to quickly talk about Killing Eve. Uh, yeah. So it's basically like uh, 
was going to say, yeah, spy, a spy thriller um, starring uh, two, like, featuring two uh, two women, which you don't really see. Anymore. Yeah. Um, it's so it's like set in Britain. I would say like it's quite uh, so like they do. It's quite a bit of comedy in it. I would say um, it's like a drama too. I would say the comedy is quite American. Okay. In style, which I quite enjoy, if I'm being honest. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's got like a lot of unexpected moments. And the woman who plays um, the, the psychopath, Villanelle, like she, her accent, like she does so many accents in the series. And like, I think they're all sick. She's like really talented. And like, it's basically about um, uh, so this woman, Villanelle, has been going around, she works for like an agency, but going around killing people. And this um, other woman, Eve, so, <laughs> who works for um, MI6 or MI5, um, and she basically becomes fascinated with NL and basically makes it her ambition to like, capture her and basically ends up these two eventually, you know, they lock heads and like, there's like some sort of weird connection to the two. And yeah, it's pretty, I'm only, I think I'm halfway through the second season and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and like, yeah, it's one of them series where things will happen. And I'll be like, oh shit, I'm really not expecting to happen. So like, it gives me like a couple of oh shit moments, which is always a good drama series. And yeah, yeah. I think I watch, I would say. Only eight episodes per season. So, yeah. Quality series. Another BBC series. I was like, me and Chris were saying we should watch, be watching more BBC stuff. They actually produce some more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, like Line of Duty. Yeah, which I will start after. Uh, I've heard so much about Killing Eve. I watched the first episode and I was just like, did not get into it. Does it get better or like, what was, was that your opinion of the first episode or were you gripped from the start? I would say I was gripped. I'll say I was intrigued for after the first episode. When it gets to, so there's, I won't give anything away, but basically there's an episode, I think maybe second or third episode, where they go for Germany. And, I, and then what happens in the episode? I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm in. I'm, okay. Yeah. I would say it does get, it does get better. And I think I'm just more enjoying like the connection between the characters and the way these characters like interact with each other, especially Eve, because I think she's got a bit of a screw loose. She hasn't quite learned that yet. Do you think we're in a particularly good age for British television? Because we've had like obviously Line of Duty, you've got The Bodyguard, um, you've got Chernobyl, which is a Sky production. Um, you know that's getting really rave reviews. I'm two episodes in and really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think previously I've I've always been a bit sniffy with kind of British TV, as in like, oh, you know, it's, it's the production values aren't as good, and it's maybe just a bit. I don't know. There's a there's a lack of quality. Yeah, I think most of us like who watch quite a lot of TV, like like most of us here. Like, we kind of just lean towards American TV series because that's mostly what we kind of grew up watching. And I think we cut, like, me personally, I kind of have, like, a bias towards American series. Apart from, like, you know, the ones like, uh, you know, like Misfit Skin, like those Channel 4 ones that we kind of all grew up watching. But yeah. That's, like, that wouldn't really, like, if I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, I want to watch a legal drama or whatever, I always think, okay, let me watch something American. Mm. Where if I just search BBC Arcane, I'm sure there's, like, plenty of, you know, British stuff that I could watch, which would be equally as thrilling and probably a bit more related. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think we do comedy quite well. 
Yeah. Um, again, because obviously we've got a very specific sense of humour. Um, but in terms of like action or like you said, thrillers or legal dramas stuff. I, yeah, I, I, it's not really something I've ever associated with um, with Britain. But it seems like you know moving into different things like Sky are up in their production. They even produced that extremely wicked film, um, mm. which I was again surprised that they would have the the money or the resources to do that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's it's good to kind of champion the British stuff, mm. and even obviously our actors and directors and producers are, are kind of well sought after in Hollywood. You know, the majority of Game of Thrones actors and locations are all British. So I think we're talented actors, to be honest. I think, well, I think our actors and actresses are more talented. Yeah, I would, I would, got a bias, but I would say that as well. <laughs> I feel like they're much better at like changing their accents as well to fit other people's Accents, cultures, areas. Mm. I think the difference between maybe British and American is that I think maybe we're a bit more reserved. We're less overdramatic because when you watch some American TV, it's very, very kind of over the top, melodramatic. It's like, and that's I think maybe what I don't quite like about a lot of American comedy. It's just like too much. Um, and they have like that laugh track and it's all just quite false. Um, and even like their adverts and stuff, it's just, everything's just like excess. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe some of the acting can be like that as well. Maybe the British are just a bit more, yeah, reserved, a bit more. Um, Might be due to all our restrictions though. Could, could well be, could well be. But yeah, there's something about uh, us Brits that Hollywood likes. Mm. All for it. What are the, uh, Upcoming films that we're wanting to see. Anything coming out soon? Uh, Spider Man, a couple of weeks. Uh, Elf. Uh, sure. Lion King's coming out next month. Which I'm, uh, oh, yeah. I think that's it. That's the one I'm actually. There's that Tarantino one, but I don't know when that's coming out. Oh, um, th- so am I might. <laughs> I watched two trailers of that film. I tweeted this like, a few weeks ago. I watched two trailers of that film. I have no fucking idea what the film's supposed to be about. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Always, once upon a time in Hollywood. So it looks like it's just a, a film about the, the actor and his stunt double. Okay. And then the stunt double seems to have a decent life, and then the actor seems to be like feeling like he's a bit not used anymore, not as good as he used to be, and he's like got to build himself back up. That's what I get from it. Okay. But I just, I mean, obviously, this, the, cause the cast is fucking stellar. So it looks yeah. like the director as well, is, you know. It's um, it's got I got a lot of controversy because it's set in the same era as the Charles Manson murders, right. and so he was a serial killer yeah. in America in I think the sixties, and he killed a woman called Sharon Tate, who Margot oh, Robbie, oh. yeah, Margot Robbie's playing her, right, okay. and she was pregnant at the time of her death, and she was either going out with or married to Roman Polanski, who is a film director. Yeah. Um, so, he huh? Isn't he a pedophile? Yeah. Well, so, he's been accused of. Right. Um, wait, so, wait, so wait, is that the main character then? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, so it's... So there was... People thought it was going to be about the Manson murders, but from the trailer and everything, it seems like it's set in the era of and Sharon Tate is a character and Charles Manson is a character. 
but it doesn't seem to necessarily be about them. It's sort of like how Inglorious Bastards was sort of about World War Two, you know, and Reservoir Dogs is about a heist, but you don't see the heist. It's the aftermath of the heist. So it's sort of like skirting around the topic, but obviously we haven't seen the film yet, so we don't quite know how much it deals with Charles Manson. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. There's always you can always sort of bank on a Tarantino film being entertaining at the very least. Oh, isn't New Mutants meant to come out soon? I think that's next year now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, it was on the Disney slate. Um, I can't remember for when. Um, but yeah, I forgot about that film. Star Wars? In December. Uh, what about Midsummer? That looks like your type of film, Joe. It does. It does. Although it's directed by the same guy who did Hereditary, and I was very disappointed by that film. So, I don't know. I will try and watch it if it's in my local multiplex. Oh, that film yesterday, the Beatles thing. Do you know the guy who's in it? Um, Tamwa. Tamwa. (laughs) Talk about a glow up. That's the only reason I'm going to go watch it. I was like, it's wow. Actually, yeah, it's Shit, it's that specky kid from the Masoods, isn't it? You know. Yeah. He's yeah. He's done a five sixty. Yeah, we didn't talk about Love Island. <laughs> we can talk about Love Island. What is there oh, to discuss? You already did it. I saw that clip and I was yeah. like, is this guy being serious or not? Like, my head's done a right five sixty. I was like, trying to figure it out. I was like, one and a bit. <laughs> One of the pit. I love it. Uh, Do you watch it, Chris? Oh, no, yeah, mate. It. No. Why? Why are you not on the hype? Just don't care. <laughs> just couldn't give a shit about these people. Yeah. It's, it's just entertaining, man. It's just like trash TV. To be honest, like I don't know how you find the time to do it. I was like, we can go gym and stuff. Like yeah. I'm just like, I go to the gym in the morning, go for a run after work, I get home, I should revise, I don't, I eat, and then I'm like, sleep time. I mean, I don't do any exercise, so that's how I've got time for it. But it is entertaining because you're sort of like, some of it, you just, there's so much hypocrisy within it. Like, there's a a girl called Maura, and she came in late, like, straight for this guy called Tommy. And Tommy was already in a kind of couple with another lady. And she was like, I want you. I'm going to jump on your dick, all this sort of thing. And Molly Mae was like, uh, don't mug me off. And then um, eventually Tommy chose Molly and then Maura was like trying up with this other guy and then he showed interest in another girl and she was like, I would never do that to another girl. Don't you dare try and take my man. All this shit. And it was like, you're a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. So. Because, like, she was she was funny because obviously like, she came in and like, shook up the villa a bit which was quite entertaining. But now, because no one's choosing her, she just comes up really desperate and it looks like this was kind of cringy. Yeah. And she's just like, bare like, I think like most men don't like it when women are like really like, forward about women's sex and stuff. And that's basically what she's been doing for like how long she's been in. And like, yeah, she's not, she's, I think she's scaring people away. Uh, oh, you got child play coming out, by the way. Yeah, I might watch that. I'm not too familiar with that series, but probably be your standard kind of slasher film um, and then it, it chapter two is coming out soon isn't it i want to see yeah. that and, and sure 
Oh, God, yeah. I'll watch that. Stranger Things Series 3. Got to be out soon. I think that's the 4th of July. Oh, Independence Day. Yeah. Was there anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up for today? Um, quickly, Krypton is better than people give it credit for, and I feel like not enough people watch it. I find it very... Is it still Series 1? Uh, series 2 now. Series 2 now. Okay. Why Why do you say people don't give it credit? I feel like nobody ever talks about it. So I'm even talking about the superhero shows. Everybody talks about, you know, obviously like your Flashes and your Arrows and then like the um, the Marvel Netflix ones and now with people talking about Titans, Doom Patrol, blah, blah, blah. Nobody really talks about Krypton. I feel like nobody really rates it. What channel is it on? Uh, I think Sci-Fi. Is that maybe why? Is it not as accessible for people? Well, it's on Sky. It's Sci-Fi on Sky. Um, if you have Sky. I mean, because if, so if you're watching... If you've got the capacity to watch um, Arrow and Flash, then you need to have Sky to watch that. You can watch it in the UK. Then, you know, you can watch Krypton as well. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'll show you that. So what do you enjoy about it? Is it the visuals, the storytelling? Um, I just think, uh, yeah, I think it's more the storytelling. And I think, I'm like, obviously, it's indirectly about Superman, but it's not really about Superman. Superman so, like, yeah. it's like a whole world before Superman was even a thing. And I think I just quite enjoy it. And there's, there's like little Easter eggs here and there. I think the actors in it, um, especially the one, the guy who played General Zod, is really good as well. And you know, there's some like nice, like there's pretty decent like fight scenes as well. They just in- introduced um, villain called Lobo, who's quite entertaining. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's ta- this season is it's been a bit more, um, a bit less serious than the first season, which I'm quite enjoying. Okay. Yeah. Do you um, think a change of tone? in like between a series is a good thing so like if, if the first series you know you said well you said this series is less dark or what was that you just said less, um, less, less, really less, serious. less serious does that change your tone are you just a bit like what's going on here or because no, I, I, I like to have a little mixture it's like when i'm watching like killing eve that's a drama but then they put a little bit of comedy in there i quite enjoy having like a like, you know a bit of a mixture like it doesn't everything doesn't have to be like proper serious all the time like when you're watching yeah. um like arrow like they they it's that's the more serious show of the cw world they do have characters who are there pretty much specifically for comedic purposes kind of like light okay like, it didn't really have that in krypton in the first season and so i'm quite enjoying it. okay yeah yeah is that something you watch chris what krypton yeah yeah, to be honest, I, I've been pretty slack with series at the moment. Like, I've probably dedicated my time to Line of Duty, which was, which was worth it. Um, I haven't really spoke too much about it because I don't want to give it away for Obi because I think Obi will actually enjoy it. Although, yeah. mass frustration in some of the some of the stuff, scenes is like for the main character. I'd say the I'd say the younger guy is the main character. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he makes some really. He's very ballsy, but he makes some really stupid mistakes. Mm. It's just like, ugh, again, really. Mm. Um, and that, I feel like there's only so much corruption that could be going on. Obviously, it's a series. <laughs> but apparently, the next season's the last one. Oh, really? That's what I heard. So, Because they are sort of standalone, but then there is an occasional little nod to a previous... Are you, are you, have you watched it all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they are. You could watch them all individually, but there is a main streamline throughout the whole season. Yeah, but it's not immediately obvious, is it? And but you'll get your, will hopefully get the conclusion to it in said season six. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, this is what I mean. Like the BBC shows are, or the shows that we could watch branch out to, are quite good. It's just getting that traction or getting someone to like, because we can't, as people, we unless we all divvied up series that come out each week and say, oh, we're all going to watch one and recommend it to each other. Mm. We can't do it, can we? So we have to hear word of mouth. We all done that in a while. We should do that. What? So everyone, we all watch like a series, or we all watch a, a film. Well, all of you, because it's on Netflix, you should all watch Iron Mother, and then. We could discuss that, maybe. Or we could find another one right now and watch it. Yeah, we'll do after. I'm going to try and watch Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> no? All right. Uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's always good when we know, when we've all just, when we've all watched a film. Uh, hopefully next week we can crack on with a few different bits and I can talk to you guys again a bit more about... Did you, have you, have you, did you say you watched Toy Story 4? No, I uh, will be this weekend. Yeah, so maybe hopefully by next week we can discuss a bit more about that. Yeah. And then hopefully next weekend we've seen the extra bit of uh, Avengers. Hope it's worth it. Oh, I'm not even here next weekend for pod actually, so scrap that. Well, we'll get catchy on. We'll do a Love Island special. Oi. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to episode 86 of Your Average Critics. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Podbean and uh soundcloud soundcloud under your average critics and we're on twitter at yc podcast 17 have i forgotten any other platform that we're on oh mate i'm so lost in that we're gonna hopefully have just sorted out spotify before we or in the first five minutes you'll probably hear some clicking on this episode because i was sorting out spotify but uh yeah oh no unless you can't hear it you're in yeah probably not so um, yeah so you know there's no excuse to not listen to us and no excuse to not share our brilliant content with everybody. So please do and leave us reviews and everything. And then uh, tune in next week. Peace. Peace.